Welcome to Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston. Here's where I get to talk to amazing people from all over the world who are making a positive impact and discuss topics in every single area of life. The sky's the limit. Some might be a little controversial, but eh, we don't shy away from them because everyone I speak to is coming from a good space. So it's an opportunity to learn a lot and expand your mind. Well, folks, today's awesome and inspiring guest is Allie Katz. And let me tell you, it was a little creepy for me because I was thinking, this is too much like my mindset. Like, ah, it's going to be fun and exciting. And I just can't wait to see where it goes. But before we get started with her, let me tell you a little bit about her. So here's her bio. Allie Cast is a best-selling author, motivational speaker, self-care and mindful parenting coach, and a meditation expert known for her brand, which I love, Hot Mess to Mindful Mom, which encompasses books, live events, a blog, and a booming online community. Come on, moms, who doesn't need that? Allie's uncanny ability to make the concepts of self-care, meditation, and mindfulness feel relatable and downright fun truly sets her apart from the traditional self-help crowd. Amen to that. She has been featured on NBC, ABC, Fox News, Family Circle Magazine, and Dr. Laura, and many other outlets. Well, Allie, how are you? I'm so excited. How are you doing there in Houston? Great. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here and jump into this fun conversation. Oh, I, I like I have, by the way, I got your book on PDF and I have like a million things I want to go over. So okay. I'm going to condense it as much as possible so that everybody can get the most out of it. But first, let's start off with, all right, mom, how long have you been a mom? So my kids are now 13 and 11. And my whole journey of transformation started when they were four and six. So young when I I had my whole hot mess phase of parenting when they were really little, and then it's been on the upswing since then, using all of the tools that I now teach. And I used them and found so much success that I decided it was just too good to not share all the amazing things I was learning about meditation and mindfulness. And that's when I decided to become a teacher because I'm a big sharer. So if, if I like a lip gloss or a book or meditation, everybody's going to know about it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my personality. So I was like, these tools are too amazing. I can't keep them to myself. I have to let everybody know and make them accessible and relatable and you know, help people understand that small changes lead to big results in your life. So that's why I started this journey of teaching and speaking and all of that. Well, you know what? Uh, everything you hear about, the when, when people feel like this is something I would want, those are the biggest successes. Like whatever it is, a business, a product, you know, a speaking engagement you want to go to, you're like, I would love that. And they're, you're filling a niche. So you realize it really helped you. And so, of course, it's going to help other people. How could it not, right? Exactly. And that's also why I feel like I've been successful as a teacher and an author and everything that I've been doing. Because you can tell how passionate I am about this because yes. of everything that it's done for me personally. It's yep. changed my life. You know, when I was a young mom totally clueless. And I thought that being a martyr meant I was doing things right. And that I was supposed oh, I know. Yep. because it meant I was proving my love to my family and showing them how important I was. The only thing is, 
they got an exhausted, overwhelmed, depleted version of mom, which is not that fun. And when I started just spending a few minutes a day on myself, I began to feel so much more energized and patient and present that, you know, everyone could see I was becoming a better version of me. I felt it. My kids felt it. You know, ever I brought just a better version of myself to the world, my friendships, all of my relationships. So everything really started to change. I started to feel so much more confident and make better choices for myself. I was like, whoa, I'm 36. I have an intuition. <laughs> Where's this been all my life? You know? And so, so much changed. It was really just the biggest gift. So let me ask you this. What did your husband say? My husband is the most supportive person literally on the planet. So he's so happy for me. He embraces and is learning, constantly learning through me. He doesn't do everything I do, but he does little, yes. like especially, you know, my new book, One Minute to Zen. He does a lot of one minute meditations. Does he sit down every single day and meditate? No, he doesn't, you know, like a long seated practice, but he's super supportive of me doing it. My thing yes. is yes. pressure anyone. If people come to me and they want to learn, I will teach anyone in the world how to meditate, how to bring more peace and calm and presence into their life. But I don't walk around preaching to people all day long or people will start running yeah. to me. No one will want to talk to me. So it's really no. like a self-initiating thing. If you come to me and you want to learn, I'm thrilled to teach you, but you have to yeah. you know, be willing and it's your idea and thing. Yeah, that's right. I always say I only want you know, to spread my message to those people who want to hear me. Like, I, I don't want to convince somebody because then that means they're not ready. And by the way, it's the same thing with my husband. Sometimes he has no clue what I'm talking about, but he goes, you go with your badass, Sandy, because I don't even know what you're talking about, but I support you. And that's the best, the best. right? That's and the best. you know what? Like, I think that contributes to our marriage being really healthy and strong is we have different interests, but we support each other in them. We don't, you know, and I think that's important. But I will say it was so funny. So my new thing is I got a gong and I'm like playing the gong in some of my classes and I love it. And anyway, so I'm like, I need to practice. You have to lay down and let me play the gong for you. So he will do any of those things, which is yeah. really, cute, really sweet. So let me ask you this. All right. So let's just back up because I want to get your real story. So you're there. And, you know, you have a four and six year old and that's when you start in journey. But what made you start your journey? So, for example, before this, were you a writer and author and speaker? I mean, was that what you went to school for? No, not at all. I never thought of myself as an author or a writer until I had a message to share. You know, never. But I will tell you, it's going to sound a little out there. Are you like open to all kinds of like woo woo stuff here? Because I'll give you the real story. Uh, you don't, you don't get more woo woo than me, Allie. So, you know, just bring it on. The story is pretty amazing. The universe really, really pushed me to do these things. And this is how, so, um, the whole thing started when I went to a talk at my temple and I didn't even really want to go, but my friend was chairing this event. I'm like, Oh, I should show up. So I sit down and there's this young rabbi talking and my friend leans over to me and she's like, this rabbi, his sister is a really famous medium. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Whatever. I'd never thought of that before in my life. Moving on down the road, whatever. Two weeks later, I'm in California having dinner with a friend that I haven't seen in like 15 years. 
And in the middle of dinner, she's like, oh my goodness, I just had a reading with this medium. It was amazing. And it changed my life. And I was like, what's her name? Told me the name. It's the same name as the person I heard. I'm like, oh, that's so funny. I just heard of that person. Still not thinking anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. A week later, I'm talking to a friend in Houston and her mom lives in Tulsa and she goes, my mom just had a reading with this medium. It was amazing and told me the name, same name. So I literally stopped and I'm like, put my hands in the air. And I'm like, I may have missed every sign you've ever given me in my entire life, but I will speak to this person, whatever it is. Obviously you want me to talk to her. So So I made an appointment and I sort of started reading her books and kind of opening myself up to some of the ideas. And the reading was amazing. But the very last thing she said to me was, I really think that you should meditate. And I was like, okay, I'd never thought about meditating before, but I'm really good at following directions. So I bought a book and I read five pages and I sat down the next day and I started meditating and I immediately fell in love with the practice. It was, I just started with eight minutes and these were eight minutes not filled with a chore or anyone asking me for anything or a phone call or the radio just yeah. I don't think I'd ever been quiet in my life like that like silent for a minute. <laughs> it felt so good and I was hooked and from that day seven years ago I've been meditating every day now that sort of put me on this whole trajectory of changing my life of becoming a teacher really this is what I'm supposed to be doing the universe just gave me a giant kick in the ass yeah now when it comes to writing same thing I had I can't even describe this feeling I had this feeling that I needed to sit down and I needed to write an article called Everyday Spiritual. And I needed to talk about what I was doing in my life that made my days feel amazing, these little tiny things. And I wrote the article. It just had this burning sensation for two days that I needed to write it. I had no idea why. I sat down. I wrote it. I didn't even edit it. For some reason, I sent it to Mind Body Green. I just was inspired. Two days later, I wake up to an email. Your article has been published. I'm like, wow. Article did amazing, and I'm like, I think people want more of this stuff. I'm gonna write a book, and that's literally like the universe pushed me into writing, and that's how my whole writing career took off. So it's just been following the universal breadcrumbs, is how I describe it. Paying attention to the inspiration that comes, taking inspired action. It's not like you can never sit around and just wait for things to happen to you, but when you feel inspired or situations present themselves and you follow those breadcrumbs, you take the action. It's amazing what happens in your life when you listen. No, I, I agree. And I, I, I am a true component of meditation. And I, my thing is the same thing. I'm like, you know, I don't even care if it's one to three minutes, like you got to get it in. And if people aren't in, like some people have a 40 minute meditation practice, a lot of my friends, and that's great. And some have 20, but I'm so happy to hear somebody else say a minute makes a huge difference. It does. And the thing is, is that, there's a couple ways to look at it. Daily seated practice, amazing. I wake up and start my day like that every day. But yep. I also need one-minute meditations throughout my day. I say they're like the glue that binds my day together to stay feeling great. And any yep. time when I feel stressed or overwhelmed or frustrated or you know impatient, just breathing for a minute brings me back to center. I need that throughout the day. You need both. You need your daily seated practice, but you also need to make sure you're continuing to breathe and have these one minutes here and there throughout the day, whether it's sitting at a traffic light, whether it's in a doctor's waiting room or in line at the grocery store, your eyes can be open, your eyes can be closed. You know, my new book has 
35 different exercises that you can do. Yeah, I love that. I love that, Allie. I love it. So it's really, um, the other thing too is it's it's almost like a gateway. There's a lot of people that feel resistant to meditation. And I understand there's so many misconceptions out there about meditation, which I try to, you know, show people that you don't have to look at it that way. The biggest one that I always am telling people, just delete that sentence from your mind. When people say, well, I heard you're just supposed to close your eyes and clear your mind. I'm like, okay, let's have a chat because yeah. that's not going to happen. So let me tell you what the real deal is with meditation. Yeah, because yeah. Is, especially when people say, I don't have time. Everyone feels so busy and so overwhelmed already. I say, well, do you have one minute? Minutes. No, I, I, I agree because the number one thing when people say to me, I'm too busy to meditate, I say, you have no choice but to meditate. Like, it's not like I'm too busy because I agree with you. And by the way, I remember, I forgot this guy's name, but he was like this real big spiritual leader, Ali, and I was so excited to meet him. And he was like my Gandhi, and he had been doing this for like 30 years. And I thought he was going to tell me this deep, dark secret of meditation. And I meet with him, and he goes over different things. And then you know what he tells me? Sandy, the biggest thing ever is doing the one minute throughout the day. Wow. See, he's my like, my... And I mean, this guy, I'm not saying he does sit on the rocks and meditate for hours and he, you know, did give me a little chance and all that. But he said the biggest thing that you could give to the world is these little four breathing exercises inside and out. And that's the best thing to do. So your book, what I love about it is not just says, which I love, love, love. doesn't just say meditate for a minute. You give people different meditations to do. You know, you give them different ideas so that they can draw it. Exactly. And yeah. obviously you're not going to do 35 meditations like at one time. But when you read the book, you can pick, you know, two or three that you really gravitate toward and put those into practice. And then when those, you know, I, really I love it, I want something else, you know, so there's, and there's a couple at the end to do with your kids, which people are always looking for. I get so many questions about how do I teach my kids to meditate? And the biggest thing I say is, well, are you meditating? Because our kids pay so much more attention to what we do than what we say, right? And if we give yep. them tools, I'll give you, can I share a personal story that happened just today? That's amazing. So my son was in this bath, my 13-year-old was playing a basketball game, and it got like really heated at the end. It was like head-to-head, and the other team ended up winning by one point, and his whole team was like devastated, and you know, he mm. I'm telling him like, you know, sweetie, take a deep breath. It's okay. So, but then I sort of just let it go. Cause I could tell he just needed a minute, let it, the steam, you know, release. And then he gets in the car and he's like kind of ranting a little bit, but what does he do? He, um, I see him take something out of his backpack. He unscrews an essential oil roller that he had put in his backpack. <laughs> puts My I don't say a word. He's like putting essential oil on his wrist. And then he starts taking deep breaths. I'm like, Oh my God, he does pay attention to me, <laughs> you know? Seriously, that's freaking awesome. It was you know what amazing. I mean? It was amazing. I had the biggest smile on my face ever. And I was like, I'm not saying anything, you know, I'm yep. just not letting him do his thing. And it was the most beautiful thing to see him reach for these tools, to know he has these tools available to him when he feels out of control. You know, when I see my kids be stressed and like without me saying anything, they just start taking deep breaths, doing a one minute meditation. That's how I know they're listening. And that's how I, but they pick up on it because they've seen me do it a million times. Absolutely. Modeling and everything. Yeah. You know what? That's why I say to people, they're like, I don't want my kids to be stressed. 
But if they see you being stressed about things, that's what they're getting it from. If they, if you don't, if you're not able to manage your stress and you're like, I don't want you to have the same life I do. My life's miserable. I hate my job. That's what they're, you're passing on more to your kid. And so that's why I love at a very early stage that you didn't wait till your kids were grown. You did a shift right there, which changed everyone's life. And again, so I don't push it on them either. They, yeah. they know the tools. They're available to them. They know what to do and they use them when they want to. Again, they're going to hate being around me if I'm pushing them every five seconds. Absolutely. But your life is an example and that's why your son did it. Amazing. Um, A friend, his friend's mom wrote me and said, he was home with a friend. I must have been out running an errand or something. She goes, oh my God, Adam took Dylan, his friend, into your Zen den. That's what I call like my teaching room and taught him how to meditate. So he's like teaching his friends, which is like the coolest thing ever. And you, by the way, you're, you're smart. I know I've made that big mistake because my son's 15. If you, if I say, say, oh my God, I'm so proud. I go, mom, you're going to ruin it. Do not make a big deal out of this. So you're, you're right. You can't say anything, you know? I just let him do yeah. rub, bathe in that essential oil, baby. Like, I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I want to back up a little bit because I know you talked a little bit about how, and I believe wholeheartedly in the universe, bringing you to the medium and about how you meditated and instantly, you know, fell in love with it. But besides that, how, who were, did you have mentors that were cultivating your meditation practice? Not in the beginning, honestly. I mean, I look back and I'm like, I would have loved to have someone like me that actually like taught me what to do in the beginning. I just sort of figured it out. I don't know. I just, I think I was just so ready that I just took to it like, you know, a duck to water. Um, but gotcha. it always happened like that for everyone. I'm also a very, um, like when I put my mind to something, I'm a very dedicated student. So, um, you know, I just sort of jumped in and I was just, I knew this was going to work for me and I just did it. But then, then I started, um, you know, when I knew that I wanted to become a teacher, um, my teacher, Sarah McLean became a huge mentor for me. She's amazing. Um, she has a few books out too. I just think she is the most phenomenal teacher And, um, so I love her. Um, in the beginning of my journey, I was, you know, following some Gabby Bernstein stuff and that actually was my first introduction to Kundalini yoga. And now I graduated last month. I'm a Kundalini yoga instructor now too. Awesome. I love it. So, so love it. And then there's been lots of people along the way, just people in my business, people that I've really connected with. I'm always learning. I am a I told my husband, I'm a lifelong learner. I love yep. So I'm always wanting to attend workshops and seminars and reading books and all kinds of things. You're a knowledge seeker. <laughs> I just want all the knowledge of the universe. I want to understand it all. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. And so you'll never get bored, which is great. You know, you're going to. And I love the fact that you're, yeah, you're sharing your journey. Yeah. I love the fact that you're sharing your journey with others because, you know, then they can learn and take the wisdom on. So you teach yoga too? I teach Kundalini yoga. So not, you know, Hatha yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly used to with, with, 
yoga, but kundalini yoga is a combination of in each class, there's a movement portion where you do physical movement, but a lot of the movements are different than what people are used to. Then there's a relaxation portion and a meditation portion. And there's a lot of chanting and mantra all combined. So I really, really love the variety of it. And I feel like in a class, people are getting so much of what they need, movement, relaxation, and meditation. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've never done it, but I did interview somebody a month ago and the guy said, Sandy, you would love it because I, I mean, I love what I do as far as activity, but I like yoga more for the meditation end. Than you would and I haven't, Kundalini yoga because it is yeah. very meditative. It's a lot of mantra. You would absolutely love it. You should find somewhere in. in- yeah, I'm trying because usually I, when I, I go to New York City a lot too, and I find different yogas, and I didn't see it around here, but I'm sure maybe if I looked sure a little bit closer. But they're also yeah. a really famous place in New York called Golden Bridge. And for anyone in doing Kundalini, any listeners that may not have access to a physical location, Golden Bridge Yoga also has for $15 a month a subscription program where they have thousands of classes that you can stream on oh cool it's like peloton bikes i got it golden golden yoga yes yep i love it oh cool that's that's really a great tidbit all right so i have to ask ali what was your biggest hot mess like what was one defining moment that you can think of when you were like okay this is not working um Okay. With because I I know you said which a lot of parents do feel this way, and it's a shame that we're a great parent, you know, when we're that martyr. Oh my God, I stayed up all night. I got two hours sleep, and that makes you loving and caring to that. So, what was your final break? Like, okay, enough is enough. Um. So I can share with you what I consider my parenting low. <laughs> totally. Okay. Well, that'll be cool. <laughs> and this happened kind of very close to before I started meditating. This might've been why the universe was like, God, this woman needs some help. Um, (laughs) Don't we all? Yeah, this was really, it makes me sad, but I've done a lot of work to forgive myself around it. So um, anyway, my oldest son was five and he, this just shows kind of my mental state of, I mean, I was at this point still, anyone would say I was a great mom, but I just broke very easily. I didn't have a lot of, patience and I yelled more than I thought like my yep. after I started meditating they told me mommy you used to yell a lot more I'm like oh my god they're gonna remember. mommy sorry <laughs> so um my son did something I don't remember what it was which just goes to show it wasn't that big of a deal like he didn't burn down my house or like hit his yeah. brother unconscious like I don't even know what he did but I just had a moment of breaking where I just completely lost my patience and I grabbed his arm really hard. And I've never really been physical with my kids. We don't spank him. Yeah. But yeah. at the time, I did, you know, that arm grab where you grab oh, the, I know. Arm, the arm grab. And um, he just looked up at me with his huge brown eyes. He was the cutest little boy. And he said, Mommy, you're hurting me. And I said, on purpose. And oh, that was yeah. pretty much as bad as it got. It was pretty, yeah. pretty sad. Which is lucky comparison because I know all moms have their stories. Yeah. And it's, you know, I share it because every parent has had a low and alone, you know, as long as you don't stay there, as long as you can say, I don't, this doesn't feel good to me. This doesn't feel good to my kid. I want to find another way. There's so many things available to you to, you know, find 
more ways to respond versus react. So in that moment, I was really reacting, where what I learned to do through my mindfulness practices was to respond. So then when my kids did something that drove me crazy, you know, what I started doing was saying, mommy needs a minute. And <laughs> I, I love that. I need, and I would say, I need to breathe for a minute so that I can calm down. I don't want to yell. I don't want to do something that doesn't feel good. And I want to think about how I want to proceed here. And I modeled that take a break so you can think about how to move forward, which is something I want my kids to do in their lives, right? To respond. Yeah. And then every parent knows about those times you throw out a consequence that's like so asinine and doesn't even make sense. (laughs) And then you're stuck with it, like no TV for three days, and then you can't even take a shower. And you're like, why did I say that? And now I have to do it. So it really also helped with that. I would not bark out a consequence for something. I would say I need to think about it. And then I would actually have a consequence that made sense. Instead of no TV, my son would maybe have to write me a letter explaining his emotions. Oh, oh, I like that one, Allie. I like that one. Like he actually learned something from it. He actually had to think instead of just not watching TV. You know, so I just, it helped everything. I I mean, uh, believe me, you're preaching to the choir. And I'm so, so happy that you're getting this message out. You have no idea. It really makes my heart sing. Um, So I want to go through a couple of the meditations. Like I saw some of my favorites. But before we do this, let's back up way back. And how did you grow up? What were your parents like? I mean, what was it in your home? Um, Well, my parents were, they're great people. You know, everyone has their stuff. We all have our stuff, yes. There. Um, my parents got divorced when I was 11. It was a very, very messy divorce. And um, then I'm my, sorry. Yeah, it's, it pretty much stunk. And then my dad actually went to jail when I was 14. So my, oh, my childhood was kind of messy and not that awesome. I mean, it was awesome in some ways, but a lot of hard there too, especially, you know, from 11 on. Um, yeah. So... You know, there was a lot of learning. I spent a lot of time with that, actually thinking that, um, you know, the universe was trying to show me how strong I was and build my character and my strength because I was the most resilient child in the world. Like started working six days a week when I was 14, paying for everything, put myself through college. I mean, really, resilience was my middle name. But then when I got older, because I sort of had to push a lot of emotion aside as a defense mechanism and just sort of get through. And then that all sort of resurfaced. And I did a lot of work around it. And I realized I think the purpose of it was really to learn how to truly forgive. Yeah. Really important. You know, universal. Yeah, you're right. I'm glad you have that outlook because – you you can tell within you you're very resilient, but there I always believe your journey. You needed that journey to be who you are today. You know, think about it. And there's some, would, there's this analogy that I love that I've created, and I always teach it to people because it makes so much sense for me. Imagine a huge highway, okay, with like a, a billion lanes. Every person, so I have many people in the earth. Six billion, four billion, four billion lanes in this highway, and everyone yeah. has their own lane. So I'm in my lane on the highway, living my life, learning my lessons, having my journey, and everyone else is next to me in their own lane, and they're doing the same thing. So when people do things that I don't understand, I think of them in their own lane, living their life, 
having their journey, learning their lessons, and realizing their journey isn't more important or less important than mine. It's just different. And I need to worry about what's happening in my lane and let I don't have to understand necessarily what's happening in theirs. You know, does that make sense? Uh, it makes, yes. Yes, it makes tremendous sense because every I I like your analogy I'll have to borrow it I've never that it, it's very clear to me that analogy but I 100% agree that you can't be inside you know anybody else's shoes and their path and their journey is just different than yours exactly. you know like we've all heard that phrase you know there's three types of business our business their business and God's business so really- <laughs> yes. Their lessons is not my business. It's not my job that, to understand. Absolutely. I, 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 oh my God, Allie, that, that's awesome. And I'm glad that you teach that. So we're, let, let's go back a little bit. And then you said you put yourself through college. Where'd you go to college? I went to George Washington in DC. Oh, what were you originally going for? I was a marketing major. Oh, well that comes in handy. <laughs> Even though I like to say, the only thing I remember from college is my social security number. I think it was such a haze. I worked so much. I like waitress to like pay my rent and put myself through school. I literally don't remember anything from college. It was yeah. not a highlight of my life. I feel like my life started after I graduated. Uh, yeah, I relate. I can relate. But I do like to, I like that. I like that area. I love that area. Amazing. And it was a great place to be. And you know, I, I appreciate that I was, I was in DC for four years, but college was not the highlight of my life. Yeah. Because you were working too much. You were just trying to get through. Just just very stressful. Now you said you had, I heard you say, I think at the beginning before we went on air that you have a twin. I do. I'm one of four girls. I have two. No, wait a minute. Four girls in one home. Uh, yes. Except one is nine years older, so I was eight when she went to college, or nine. So you know, she we got really close when I became older. And but I, had, I do have a twin sister, identical, and our voices are so alike that if I handed her the microphone, you would never know. <laughs> oh, you can mess with people. Do you mess with people? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> We did growing up. She used to break up with my boyfriends. I used to quit her jobs. Like, yeah. What's her name? Her name's Stephanie. Shout out, Stephanie. That's awesome. So she's the one in New York City, right? She's right outside of the city, yeah. And then we're, what about the other two? One is in Philly and one's in New Jersey. And then my parents were oh. Philly and New Jersey? Oh, yeah. That's right. Philly's in my back. Where in Jersey? He is in South Orange. Oh, so you said like you get together, but most of the times you get together in New York City, right? Yeah, or right outside of the city in Westchester. Mm-hmm. And you have fun. Oh my God, I can't even. I can't even imagine growing up with four girls. Was it what I think? Were you fighting for the bathroom? No, no, but it was really fun. And we used to, if one person was sick, we used to all pretend we were sick so we could stay home together and just. Aww. Make our lit TV list with our TV guide, and I don't know. We I, those are just some really fun memories. So, oh my goodness, yeah. I'm so glad that you said that because sometimes you hear like, no, we were like we're like cats and dogs, but like if one sister's sick and you all want to stay home and be sick, that's pretty close sisters. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot. Of, all right, so now I got a little bit more picture. I can I see now 
why this journey has taken you to where you are. And I, I love that you're sharing it. And I was going through your book, which I love. You guys, you got to get it. It's really cool. Uh, the One Minute to Zen, because I love that it's user-friendly. I don't feel like it's like all this mumbo-jumbo that I don't understand. It's relatable, and you can apply everything, and it's great. And even the chapters break down. Yeah, I mean, really short bite-sized chapters because that's what people in this day and age have time for. And my favorite compliment that I've ever given about all three of my books is when people read it, they say, it feels like I'm just having coffee with you. It feels like and that's how I want people to feel when they read it, that they're just with me. Yeah, they're just with you and you're just sharing stories with you. So, all right. So now I would like to just pick out one chapter, if you don't mind, and just go over a little bit of it. And the chapter that really stuck out to me was um, chapter four. If we could just go over a little bit of that, that says abundant mentally, because I can really relate to that. Can you expand upon that? So, yes. So in life, there are many ways to look at things. We can look at things with an abundant mentality, or we can look at things with a lack mentality, you know, and it really makes a difference. Your attitude has such an effect on your life, you know? So if you say something like, if only there was enough time or I'll never get this all done, you know, life's going to feel pretty crappy. But if you can turn that around, you know, and say things like, I'm going to flow through this day or time is on my side and really thinking about things more abundantly, um, it can help you so, so much, right? Because yeah, your mindset. I got it. Mindset, putting out that vibration. Absolutely. And then having a lot of self-compassion too. Yeah, I, I was reading through that. Like when you were saying, working on forgiving yourself, I, just, women, we're really tough on ourselves, aren't we? Yes, all the time, right? Um, we are. And self-compassion is something that I feel really comes with a meditation practice. And, you know, it's made such a difference in my life because I've learned how to be more compassionate and less judgmental to others, but also to myself. So much of things we think for others, but we forget about ourselves, right? Like, so I don't know if you've ever read the four agreements, which is one of my favorite books. Yes. But yes. Be impeccable with your word. Well, that's important for others, but be impeccable with your word to yourself. You're listening to yourself all day long. So how are you talking to yourself? You know, you know what? I haven't read that. You know how like you read books? Well, you need to reread it because it's a yes. Yeah. And then in terms of the abundant mentality too, this is really important also is that there is enough for everybody, right? So there are enough clients for everyone that teaches meditation. Allie, I want to come and hug you. Okay. If you're, if someone's on a vacation and you see it on Facebook, be happy for them. It doesn't mean you're never going to get to do anything fun. There's she no is right. There's no shortage. Oh my God, Allie. Allie. So that is I, really important too. And I think so. that's a big thing when it comes to social media that we have to be careful around, that comparison, that judgment, that lack mentality. Why does everyone else's life look so perfect? Why don't I go on fun vacations like that? Why can't I have clothes like that? We have to be very careful around that. And that's there's a lot I teach around social media because, you know, it can be a great thing or it can be a not so great thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Allie, 
You, you got to get that out more. I think that's a big thing with people. If they hear somebody has a number one best-selling book or someone got a speaking engagement, they go, oh, crap. I just think, oh, yay. You know, that means, look, it's possible out there. You know, there because so it's more like, wow, I can have that, too. If she did it, yeah. can I? And then the yeah. other thing, too, that I that I think is really important is. The difference between bragging and celebrating. Okay, so imagine this. Someone calls you and says, can I brag to you about my kid for a second? You're going to, I mean, there's like a kind of a wall goes up. You're kind of like rolling your eyes. You're like, all right. Yeah, yeah. But really, what if someone called and said to you, oh my goodness, the best thing happened. Can I celebrate with you? Wouldn't you be like, I want to celebrate with you. What happened? So a lot of the conscious language around things how we phrase things because you're not really trying to brag you're really trying to celebrate with someone and i want to see all of the successes and wonderful things happening in people's lives that i care about even strangers so really i want to have people to shift that mentality from bragging to celebrating and i think that makes a huge impact too huge and and by the way you can tell the difference when somebody's bragging that to me is a sign of insecurity. You you know, like, listen, you don't need to toot your horn. But when they're like, oh my God, I got the book deal. I got the thing. You can feel it. You know what I mean? It's it's a totally different feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're happy for it. All right. So one other chapter we're going to just go just a, a little bit on is because it, it really hits home with me is the chapter that you talk about stress on your body and what it does. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. And I think that people don't really understand what a negative impact it can have on your body. So, um, you know, really understanding that we aren't meant physiologically to be stressed all the time. Okay? <laughs> it can to never be stressed. Like it's going to happen. But If it happens occasionally, your body has plenty of time to recover. But if you are stressed all the time, which a lot of people feel like they are, there are too many hormones and chemicals pumping throughout your body all the time. Because our stress response means that that there are changes in our body that happen when we feel stressed, like adrenaline sharpening your senses and more oxygen being sent to your muscles and more blood being sent um, from your digestive system to your extremities so that you have more energy to fight and flee and glucose being pumped throughout your body. All these things that are meant to keep you safe and alive in times that you really are stressed. But because we feel stressed all the time, that means we have these hormones and chemicals pumping all the time. And too much of them in our body can lead to toxicity. And this toxicity can have long-term effects, things you really don't want, like heart disease, obesity and diabetes, allergies, a lowered immune system, infertility, digestive troubles, headaches, insomnia, depression, anxiety, even cancer. So we Yeah, I, I agree. Under control. Yeah, and you know what? I'm so glad you said that because, you know, the medical community has known it for a while, but they don't know how to translate it because they know like physical activity, eating healthy and meditation. They know it without a doubt that it works, but they're not sure how to get the message out. But now Allie's getting the message. So there's three optimal ways for your body to deal with stress. It's sleep, exercise and meditation. Now, of course, there's other amazing things, like you said having a really good diet. You can take yeah. a bath, you can journal, you can walk outside, be in nature, connect with a friend. There's tons of ways to deal with stress, but the three best ways for your body, sleep, exercise, and meditation. Yep. 
I love it. All right. So we're going to wrap up here. Otherwise we could be going forever, Allie, because I, I love the fact that, you know, you're inspiring others and it just really makes my heart sink. But let's just talk about one meditation. I picked out number nine. I don't know if you could just go over it a little bit to that little tidbit we could end with, which is find something beautiful right in front of you. I thought that would be a cool one just to review with people. Absolutely. So we can look around at any time where we are and have a grateful moment and find something beautiful around us. And if you spend a moment looking at a beautiful favorite piece of art, a vase of flowers, um, a beautiful throw pillow, a piece of furniture you enjoy, anything like that, you know, you can look at it like a beginner with a beginner's mind, really appreciating it, noticing the colors and the textures, really giving it your full attention. And you're going to notice after a minute of doing that, that your mind didn't wander when you were really focused on that. You weren't stressed. You weren't thinking about everything else you had to do that day. You're just present and in the moment. So there's a lot to have a meditation that have to do with your breath and the things that people normally associate with meditation. But there's a lot of other ways to do it too. And so there you hear that people. She said there are a lot of other ways to meditate. You don't have to just think it's one way. And there's so many ways and it's one that will fit you. I love that, Alex. And that's so get my book, One Minute to Zen, and you'll have lots of choices. <laughs> it's a great book. I mean, you, you got to buy it. There's not even any choice. All right, Allie. Well, we're going to wrap it up and we'll have all your information so that they can reach you. Is there anything that we didn't get in that you wanted to say before we go? Um, really just these tools are for everyone, no matter who you are, no matter what you do in your life, everyone in this day and age feels stressed in one way or another. And so I encourage you and literally beg you to start using these simple one minute meditation tools to start living your best life today. And it's yeah. easy as spending one minute on it. You know, don't feel overwhelmed. I've made it really easy for you. All right, for Let's Keep It Real, you heard it from Allie. And until next time, everyone, highlight the positive. See you later. Bye, Allie. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember, keep highlighting the positive and let's keep it real.